This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. The dead who haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half-ape with the strength of 20 demons. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Video Junkyard Podcast. Wait, who am I here? Oh wait, uh, Eric O'Branson, and with me as always (laughs) is my friend uh, and co-host, Joe Peterson. How's it going tonight? Well played, I'm good. (laughs) For a minute I was like, are we seriously going to have to redo the... How do you fuck that up? <laughs> no, yeah, how do I fuck up the one thing we do every show consistently? Like, well, that would be like me to fuck that up, though. So, yeah, who am I here? What? <laughs> Doing yeah. okay. So, hopefully, there's someone out there that caught already knows what show we're talking about tonight. Well, I mean, and besides, you know, that we title them with what we're talking about tonight. That's but, right. Yeah. I love how I love for like almost two years we've pretended like it was a secret. Yeah, yeah. Well, we always pretend like it's a secret. What, you know, um, that we don't record like everything in real time. Or when we used to do two record two shows at once, we'd always uh, try to pretend we weren't just talking for an hour beforehand. You know, you know what's funny is I I have run into some people though that when you know I tell them I do a podcast or something, uh, you know, for fun, and they always ask, well, how does that work? Like, do you guys record live? Like they, I wonder why that's always the default thought. I'm like, no, no, not at all. That would be. I find full like people that aren't like podcast listeners, um, don't have a whole lot of understanding about like what. I mean, I think they understand like it's it's like a radio show or it's you know it's just people talking about a subject and they're usually kind of like niche, um, mm-hmm. you know, interest groups and. Uh, but I don't think they have a whole lot of concept other than that. So I, I think people do try, kind of think like it's something that goes out live, maybe. But Which some certainly do. But Oh, yeah, yeah. And so there's actually one I listened to, a Doctor Who-related one, that is a, a simulcast. So they do they do it live, so they could do it on YouTube and record and you know do it all at the same time. Wow. Um, which is, it sounds like a big operation, so. That, that is <laughs> but, much more ambitious than uh, than I have any desire to get. Yeah. But right. that's, but but good on them. I mean. <laughs> yeah, I, I, we've talked about doing some things like that in the past, and I always, when I start thinking about it, I'm like, man, I don't know, that's a, a lot of work into what, what benefits. So if anyone out there is really dying to see a YouTube version of the show where basically you just have to stare at our ugly mugs the whole time we're talking um let me know but I, i'm not sure there's demand for it so i haven't jumped at the bit yet but. i mean plus <laughs> i i honestly prefer the format where pants are optional yeah i mean well i'm i mean they could be that way too you know we'd really be pushing the boundaries of, of youtube's code of conduct <laughs> yeah you know they do let you get away with some shit but not just not yeah. everything Joe has to pause the camera when he gets up for a drink. So. That's that's right. <laughs> or we just roll those dice and see how it goes. But, so yeah, it's Fourth uh, of July season because it, when we're recording this, it's next. It's this coming weekend, but by the time it airs, it'll be last weekend. But uh, yeah. 
So hopefully you had a good 4th of July, everybody. Hopefully you had a good 4th of July. I'm planning on having a good 4th of July. Uh, you doing anything? You know, we're probably not doing a whole lot, honestly. Um, technically, our state has opened up. Um, we're in what, what we're calling phase four of our reopening and on, you know, de-quarantining everything. But since the rest of the country seems to be on fire, <laughs> like, I don't Some know. Some parts, I'm, literally. <laughs> yeah, I'm just hoping that... Um, I'm not sure we're, you know, us as in my family, uh, is, you know, like banging down the door to get out and do stuff. Like, I, I don't think I'm going anywhere, but we'll probably, you know, make some food and hang out yeah. at home. And, you know, if the weather's good, get outside and do some stuff and pretty much the same kind of stuff we would be doing anyway, I'm sure. But they've canceled like the big fireworks show here locally, um... And I think like every, all the most of the surrounding communities as well. So I'm sure there'll be plenty of people lighting off their own fireworks. So maybe walk around and look at fireworks wherever we can find them. I don't know. Do your That's kids like? Think do your of. kids like sparklers and and like the the kid yeah. fireworks? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I haven't bought any yet. I probably should. Um, but yeah, they last year we had they the first time they were exposed to that and they had a lot of fun with it. So we probably should do a little bit of that too. Yeah, we do something similar. Like, I usually set off some in the backyard, but they're just, like, the sparks. Big shower of sparks kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. Nothing that... I mean, I usually have some bottle rockets that I launch off, but they just go up, you know, what, 50 feet and go bang. But that loses its appeal after a little while. Roman candles are fun. I do remember a time being in a Roman candle fight with a group of people. You were there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Been in a couple of those in my life. So. Yep, uh, but you no, know, yeah, my kids are the same way. And yeah, this year, this year, we're, I don't think we're going to be seeing a lot of the Fourth of July barbecues. I mean, I know people can have them in some places, but I think everybody's still kind of, yeah, you know, erring on the side of caution. Which, I mean, I could foresee a, a situation. You know, as long as things, the numbers stay where they're at here, like where in a few weeks, I think I might actually enter the realm of being comfortable you know doing outside stuff like that Mm -hmm. um but in these like first couple weeks i'm not sure and also like there's just like nobody's got the same set and i'm not gonna insult anybody or you know say that i know better than anybody else but it doesn't seem like anyone's got their everyone's got kind of their own set of rules for what's okay and what's not okay so we're very we're very strict compared to most people and so yeah well you know strict is okay because maybe what we need around here is a little bit of order right yeah yeah you have some order true. as a family man <laughs> need some order and then strict is okay maybe that's and what's missing from the world today is the real all-american family man right that's right so, that's right reminds me of uh, a movie that i saw recently actually and maybe oh really we talk about that tonight yeah, yeah. Well, i think we could do that isn't it that and if anybody's wondering, no, that is not my impression of how I think people should be. Just saying. Okay. <laughs> no, yeah, let's not. Let's maybe change the direction there a little bit. Yeah. But anyway, the movie we're going to talk about today, um, failure at Segway, even though we planned it, but <laughs> it's the 1987 uh, psychological horror film, uh, The Stepfather. Morrison isn't his real name. What is it? God knows we don't. His personal history was falsified. His prints were untraceable. It was possible Morrison had done it before. You can call me sentimental. I don't care. I have beautiful friends. I have a wonderful new family. 
So what do you think? Can we give this little guy a home? Sure. That's my girl. He's a wonderful man. And he wants to care for us. I don't know. I just... There's just something about him. Oh, that guy in Bellevue that killed his whole family. Cut him up with knives. Maybe they disappointed him. All we need is a around here. You're a good boy. He's a good boy. Isn't he a good boy? Give that his little angel. Hi, honey. Don't you talk to your father that way. He's not my father. How can you even bear to let him touch you? Stop it! We have to talk, honey. About what? About what is happening to our family. I'm taking care of it. He scares me, Dr. Wondering. Who am I here? by Joseph Rubin, a screenplay by American novelist Donald Westlake and uh, starring Terry O'Quinn as the um, titular stepfather. So, um, yeah, this was um, so, okay. I, I had never seen this one before. And so I watched yeah. it when we discussed last week that we were going to do this one for this show. And uh, I watched it very late in the evening. So I passed out for a little bit of it. I, I dozed. So I rewatched it again. I went camping with my family this past weekend, and we came back, and so I stayed up last night and watched it again. And I'm really glad I did, because um, there's definitely some stuff I missed. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if things I wanted to see, <laughs> uh, but but I'm right. glad that I, I I watched the entire thing all the way through. Was this was this a first viewing for you? No, this one I had seen a couple of times before, and. But it wasn't like way back in the you know video junkyard days of video store and all that. Although this is definitely one I remember. I guess I'll get to uh, the story in a second. But I remember this one in our small town video store. This was one of those missing first films. Yep. From I think they had the second stepfather movie. So probably why I never saw any of them growing up is because I didn't want to start with the second one. I wanted to see the first one first. And. Uh, Anyway, so I can remember sitting, you know, the horror section in the video store, the Stepfather 2 movie box. Yep. I can remember what that looked like. But um, this one, I think I read in one of the magazines, uh, probably Fangoria or um, something else, but uh, a review of this movie or an article on this movie. And I don't remember if maybe it was a, around an anniversary of it or there was a new reissue coming out. But that's when I first became or like jogged my memory about it. And then um, I think I, I remember I had a copy of it on VHS at one point and like long after it would be, have been normal to have a copy. So I'm pretty sure I probably found it at a thrift store or something. Mm. Um, and I think that's what I watched it on was a videotape, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it, it was one I was pleasantly surprised with. Um, and it's funny it's one that i was familiar with obviously because the sequel was in our video store but never saw back in the day and then um as we explore often on this sometimes that can go either way and this one was one that i was uh 
quite pleasantly surprised with. Um, in case anyone's not familiar with The Stepfather, um, let me get you a quick synopsis. Jerry Blake is a family man, but he happens to have a series of families, with each one on the receiving end of his murderous ways. When Jerry sets his sights on a lovely widow named Susan and her headstrong daughter Stephanie, it appears that his brutal pattern of killing will continue. However, Stephanie begins to suspect that there's something wrong with the seemingly well-adjusted Jerry, and a violent confrontation is inevitable. So, essentially that synopsis tells you, like, what you thought an 80s movie about a stepfather would be is exactly what this movie is about. And not that that's a bad thing, but... <laughs> no, it's... it's um. One thing I, I really like to, to look for in, in a movie, uh, especially when you're dealing with something like a genre film of a very specific time where they all seem to kind of borrow a style for the time, um, mm-hmm. is what level of complexity is the story? Because like in the kind of the late 90s, I think we had a, a phase of movies getting overly complicated. Every, every subplot needed a few other subplots. And <laughs> yep. it, it got a little old because you know not everybody wants to be you know, writing a master's thesis on a, a fucking movie. Um, this one is a really good balance of, like you, like the synopsis says, a very kind of simple, linear story. There are subplots, but they're not. They don't go off in weird tangents. Mm-hmm. Everything, everything kind of ties up. You know, um, so it's it's fairly easy to follow. Let's put it that way. It's which is good. Um, they can't all say that. Not every movie we've reviewed on here can have that accolade yeah <laughs> it's it is pretty from a script or story standpoint fairly straightforward mm-hmm. um and it's got you know very definite like i was gonna say beginning middle end but yeah most stories do but it's it's all tied up nicely in a bow and it's uh yeah a good like <laughs> it's funny because it spawned sequels obviously like everything did in the 80s but this one is a, a perfectly fine watch on its own like i've not seen the sequels i don't know if I started watching the second one last night because I mm-hmm. just wanted to see how the hell they were going to do that. And <laughs> yeah. I, honestly, what I said to Sarah was, okay, are they going to pull Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 on this? <laughs> and it starts to get questionable. And I was like, okay, I don't need to watch this right now. Yeah. But, yeah. but, but. yeah, this this one was really good. But um, so this is one of those, and it, it's funny because I don't think it was like in any of the advertising or like posters or anything I've seen. I'm not sure it was pushed this way. I think in in modern cinema it, it would be, but this was based on quote unquote real events, and um, yeah, the murders of a a man named John List who did exactly what Terry O'Quinn's stepfather you know, Jerry Blake in this movie does, and that's murdered his entire family disappeared off the radar of everybody in the world and ended up in a different town somewhere totally married to somebody different as the stepfather you know as a father figure in a family um i don't believe he attempted to kill the second family in real life uh he was just arrested but um he did pull the disappear and that's where the um mm-hmm. people got the idea for this this film so well and, and the one thing that they point out about jerry in this too is that you know the the opening of the movie is rather disturbing mm-hmm. um and you know he, he's just killed his family and it was I, i'll admit here's the dark humor coming out we're watching this last night and, and you know you see the bodies of the family <laughs> laying around and sarah just goes i yeah, leave it to the 80s you know they they didn't pull many punches i mean they didn't go too bad those those are teenagers 
And the camera pans back, and I said, nope, nope, that's Kid. That's fucking Teddy Bear. And she, <laughs> yeah. she was just like, oh my god, what is wrong it's like with you? The last, yeah, the last thing is he's just walking out the door. Yeah. But Yeah, but the, uh, they, the they... opening of the film, it's very kind of slow-paced, in it, but it's really creepy and sets the tone for this whole thing. So by the time you, you meet Jerry walking into this second family with Susan and Stephanie, you're already just... You're you're just as terrified or more terrified of him, I'm sure, than they are at that point. But um, yeah, it's a really effective and creepy opening, and I, I like it a lot. It's just uh, sets the tone for the movie so nicely. I think if you didn't have that and you learned about it like later on, I don't think um, the suspense throughout the first half of the film would be as as effective. Well, no, because you there'd be no suspense because you as it is now we know what jerry is we as the mm-hmm. audience know more than there's some dramatic irony there where we know more than some of the cast does um yeah. but didn't they also make a point to mention that that family that he killed wasn't his first family either yeah i think they did suggest that perhaps he um had moved into that one as well so he was a stepfather and i don't know if he ever had like another family but i don't think he was like the biological father of that family either like he was always the stepdad he was coming into a a pre-existing family and and establishing himself and then um or if they didn't uphold his ridiculous standards um then he would you know dispose of them and move on which is essentially what the you know the real life angle was all about however he was the biological yeah father of the of the family he murdered but anyway well we don't need to talk about that person but in this case in this in the film there was some interesting things that i you know the brother of the first mother that we see yeah you know post-mortem um is tracking him down and and trying to you know get justice for for his uh, his his nieces and nephews and and sister, um, and he's got a really interesting way of figuring out where he probably is. If you wanted to talk a little bit about that, yeah, sure. Um, he, I think, starts off with uh, going to the reporter who a reporter who had initially done or had done recently done a piece on the um on the murders and ended up getting uh pretty much nowhere with that Mm -hmm. and then um it was something about like how long he he would have had to been scoping out his next family his next right yeah so 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 part of part of blake's process is that he does he kind of drops out um he quit his job and he does this all with you know the, the the family we're meeting in this film too but right before he's going to you know commit the murders and move on to his next family he you know quits his job and he spends his days establishing his next life so right yeah. starting his new identity and, and then he goes home in the evening so he had yeah. a very specific radius in which he could be traveling day to day yes yeah uh realistically so they start working that out and it was so there's a little bit of some cool detective work here um yeah, there's definitely and i think uh the guy who wrote the screenplay donald westlake is mm-hmm. a i think most famous for writing detective novels okay but yeah so. uh, a couple of little things that i had some critiques about the family that he's living with they lost their dad and husband this woman and her daughter 
have lost their, mm-hmm. their, their dad and husband. And I'm, I, I'm never really sure if it was Blake that killed him or not, but I suspect so. I, um, I'm not sure I get the impression that he did, and that's just based on later in the film when he's setting up his what was going to be his next move. He uh, has put himself right next to or moves in right next door to a widow that has a that has children um so i'm imagining that blake actually selected these people based on that fact that they um had you know a husband that that had had passed away or you know whatever happened but i i certainly don't know i don't think they ever talk about what happened to stephanie's father um but he's been that that he's gone that he's been gone and it's only been a year dead not gone but yeah yeah he's 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 been dead for a year mm-hmm. and blake is already now married to them they're married into the family so that means he there's the timeline on this was bugging me yeah it was like okay so the the, the father passes away and within a one-year time period the mom starts dating again so and meets somebody and marries him and he moves in and it's like it's all that's all said and done before you even see one year later right and everybody's telling the little girl you know you need to move on <laughs> yeah it's like it's been to, except, a year except jerry yeah as yeah and and i'm not trying to say that you know uh, that they you know, there's a specific time for that, and I know there are people that do. It's like within a year, they're like, I'm, I'm moving on, this is my way of handling it. That's totally fine. But for everybody else to be telling this little girl who's having some emotional outbursts, you need to just get over it. I'm like, it's been a fucking year, and her mom's remarried. This kid's got, <laughs> yeah. I, I could, I bet she'd be, she's throwing arms every day. I don't blame her. I'd be pissed too. Yeah. Well, she has a um, psychologist or an analyst that is um, a little more sympathetic, although he does end up kind of, well, at first having that the tone of you should just accept him kind of thing, too. So, um, And Jerry definitely does away with him after he gets some suspicions about what's going on. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but yeah, it's... It, I guess it's I have the, the subplot with the brother-in-law. The thing that... Um, and it, it was it was fine. It added a different element to the film and kind of expanded things a little bit. I felt a little bit, and this is this kind of reminds me because we were just talking off off air before we started about about Stephen King stuff in the movie The Shining. But he's kind of treated by this script like Dick Halloran is treated in uh, Stanley Kubrick's Shining movie, and that's that you spend all of this time like you know watching this detective plot go. Uh, and him track this guy down, and he shows up for two seconds in the narrative, and he is bam dead. <laughs> like, Notice the same like... thing. <laughs> totally <laughs> noticed that it was the biggest letdown. I was like, I so you know he 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 was there, and he he served his purpose. He brought the gun into the house. Like it's it's a tight screenplay. Like it works. Like that's exactly what he you know he was there for. But it was a little weird that we spent so much time watching him work all this stuff out just to get him there and provide the gun and that's pretty much what his entire the entire purpose of his character was but i think i think sarah and i both noticed the same thing like well at least he got the gun there you know but (laughs) and yeah so that those were those were a couple of things that i thought were were a little weak um 
you know, there's some disbelieving or suspension of disbelief required for some of those, but otherwise, sure, yeah, the performances in this. Yeah, well, let's let's talk about the the main one, and that's that Terry O'Quinn, um, which we've joked around about before. I still think that Terry O'Quinn is the actor that leads um, the Video Junkyard podcast, being in the most films that we've talked about. That being um, that he is generally a character actor and plays like you know smaller roles and not the starring role in movies. This, in fact, this is besides the television program Lost. I don't believe i've seen terry o'quinn in a you know starring role in anything else but um this performance in this is probably my favorite thing that i've seen him do and it's gotta be his career's oh I would yeah say his career best of um and he's great he's great in all kinds of stuff even his little bit stuff he's good but this is a great performance and it, it really makes the movie <laughs> at the end of the day like it's... i i was impressed even in the opening sequence when you see him standing there and he's got this big beard and glasses and scraggly hair and he starts to transform himself right he, he cuts his hair off and he shaves his head and he's putting it mm-hmm. in context doing all this stuff and how he holds himself from one version of his personality to the next um there are there aren't a lot of modern day Lon Chaney's, you know, actors yeah. that can really physically transform themselves into a variety of different characters. Um, one that comes to mind immediately is is uh, Gary Oldman, mm-hmm. who I've always yeah, thought was, was like a modern day Lon Chaney. We've um, talked about that at length before, but yeah, yeah totally. And, and Terry O'Quinn is one that I never would have considered before, but holy shit, yes. Yeah. I mean. It, how he's so good, you don't even notice him in stuff. <laughs> no, yeah, <laughs> because well, be, and he's like he's in Tombstone. He's been in a lot, like you mentioned. He's been yeah. in all these different movies he's that the we've mayor mentioned. in Tombstone. He was the like teacher, or or he was the banker or something, and in, in Young Guns, the guy. But he's got a, a, a you know somewhat prominent side role in in those movies, and yeah, and there's more. We've we pointed him out in a bunch of stuff. Go back and listen. You you'll hear a yeah, lot of Terry O'Quinn on the podcast. Well, actually, yeah. So I, I'm I'm gonna go through. it real quick because we've got it right here uh mm-hmm. there's some stuff i've wanted to talk about that we haven't seen him in yet but obviously space camp the stepfather young guns right. um the rocketeer tombstone um i think there's got to be some other ones i did i had to look it up because i didn't realize that wow he's also been in like x Files show and movies oh yeah um yeah. i remember him on that yeah he's done a lot of tv work and and I was most familiar with him like when I started, you know, and I'd seen plenty of things he was in, but uh, when I was a fan of the show Lost, or I watched it, let's go, let's just go with I watched the entire series of the show. Um, he's great on that show as well. I, I didn't end up caring for it in its latter seasons, but that's nothing to his discredit. He's absolutely great on that show as well. But um, yeah, so I became familiar with him, and then like I realized like man he's been in so much stuff that i've seen as you go back and like because <laughs> he's just one of those guys that's in especially in the 80s and 90s in all kinds of stuff mm-hmm. well and then playing the the stepdaughter stephanie main in this is uh jill and i hope i don't butcher the last name but uh sholin sholin yeah i think that's how i would say it and she's been in a lot of things as well she's a bit of a stream of a scream queen she's in when a stranger mm-hmm. calls back uh, fan of the opera, cutting class, 
um, obviously this one, Chiller. So she's known for um, uh, for for being in in kind of horror slasher type movies, yeah. uh, popcorn. Uh, but she, this was really one of one of her earlier roles. Um, if not, let's see, her earliest one was The Best of Times, which of... was a TV series she did actually with. Um, Crispin Glover and Nicholas Cage. Nicolas wow, Cage, that's got to yeah. be a fantastic show. Yeah. Both of them together. No, I'm just <laughs> uh, so no, not this isn't her first movie, but she she'd done, you know, it's within the first couple of years of her acting. So, uh, and and actually, her performance is fairly good as well. She plays. Yeah. A, it, there's there's one scene with her that was totally needless, and it really dates the film because she plays a barely 16-year-old girl in this movie. Oh, and yeah. there is a I scene, wrote this down. I know what yeah, you're going to say. <laughs> the shower scene where she's showering yep. and we're getting full, not full frontal nudity, but frontal nudity. And Pretty I'm, close, I'm, yeah. Yeah, it's like, why? Yep. It was a weird choice, and I suppose it's just an 80s thing, I think. And there's nothing like, nothing really sexual about the scene, but just the fact that your your character, the girl that we're, you know, we've come to know throughout the film, because this is just towards the end of the film, mm-hmm. as kind of this, like, innocent-ish, like, I've never kissed a boy, I'm about to have my first kiss at one point in this movie, um, you know, 16-year-old girl, and then all of a sudden we have this kind of really, like, awkwardly revealed, like, unnecessary nude scene. And I was, mm-hmm. I chalked it up to, like, okay, 80s, whatever, but it's it's a little worse than usual of, of being unnecessary and i'm not sure why why we even needed a shower scene at that point and even if we did why it couldn't have been a little i don't know and i'm not usually one that gets uh upset about you know nudity in films but it can be this time yeah this time i noticed and and it was just like okay that's weird <laughs> it was a strange choice yeah especially for the kind of character you know, this is yeah. not a character yeah. that you would expect to see anything like that with. Yeah, I mean, so. I'm sure horror. I'm sure because I've seen it a, a, a million times in horror films. But usually, scenes like that are used to characterize, right? Like you, you have your kind of, you know, in a Friday the Thirteenth movie, you, you get, you know, for better or worse or whatever we think about it in modern context. But you're you're characterizing the female characters by what you're having them do on screen. This was totally out of character for her. Like, not that she was doing anything other than taking a shower no. in the scene, but it's the way it's portrayed. Like, it's... Yeah, it was totally unnecessary for there to be a nude scene, especially given the character. Yeah. Yeah, that that's... It, 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 there's there's a few moments like that, like we mentioned before with, you know, the 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 character of, of Jim getting killed right away as soon as he shows up like this whole thing. <laughs> yeah, after. That was just, that's comical. Um, you know, there's a couple of like the weird timeline thing is a little strange. There's just a few things every now and then that jump out at you with this movie that are, that kind of, you can see the seams a little bit. The, but, the, the Jim Ogilvy scene is great though, because well, basically because of Terry O'Quinn again, or because of Jerry, he's got some, some of his great moments. Uh, some of his greatest moments are when he's, uh, um, doing things like he's in the middle of going on a murderous rampage when this guy shows up at his house. And I think one of the things that Terry O'Quinn does so well or is so creepy about this character, you you mentioned his transformative ability, like when he puts on the different like facial hair, just the way he can kind of transform his performance and he just kind of changes in this whole other person. But I, he kind of does it scene to scene when he like, you know, takes off the disguise of the uh, all-American dad 
and you could you know lets the cracks of the crazy show through and like the scene with jim ogilvy is really great because he you know kind of does that he's just totally like normal guy um delivery of like oh jim hey jim ogilvy it's been a long time and then just stabs the guy you know like yeah um and uh you know what's the line he delivers as he's walking away like you know jim i'm don't mind that you drop by, but really, next time you should call or something along those lines. And like, next time, Jim, call before you drop by. Yeah, there's a lot of really kind of double, double meaning lines in this. There's mm-hmm. one where he's he's starting to really get put in more effort to get this new family set up, and he's kind of mentally preparing for having to kill um, uh, Stephanie and uh, and Susan. And he's walking out the door as Susan's in the kitchen doing the dishes, and, sh- and she's like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna settle things with my family." And she's like, "By yourself?" And he just goes, "Well, yeah, yeah," <laughs> you know, which is like kind of creepy when you know what you know. Um, right. So there's there's a lot of little lines like that. There's a great scene where he's showing a house to a, a young family that has a little girl, and he they're looking through the house, and he's pushing her on the swing and mm-hmm. talking to her about his little girl and he starts to forget who he is for a moment yep and starts talking about his his previous daughter and yeah that's it's a chilling scene uh and, and O'Qu- terry o'quinn just really delivers this whole character and i it there's some subtleties there there's when he goes down to the basement where he goes to have his little temper tantrums where he mm-hmm. rants and punches at the table and grunts and stuff um there's some some split personality type behavior going on there yeah um, where it, it at least it seemed like it to me that he was telling himself to shut up and leave leave himself alone and then a different voice would almost come out yeah um, well at the very least he's trying to you know trying to keep it under wraps but it's exploding out like you know his whether it's temper or whatever you know he's not able to control his emotions um, when usually he is a very, you know, calm and controlled, um, psychopath, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, and that just kind of reminds me of one other thing. If, if anyone hasn't seen the stepfather, like the, you know, the character of Jerry Blake, um, we're never, you know, sat down and like given a list of what exactly, you know, what his thing is or what, you know, makes him tick, but you gather through like, you know, uh, watching him that, he is in search of, you know, uh, Leave it to Beaver, 1950s uh, TV perfect family in 1980s America, which is a totally different landscape, right? So mm-hmm. um, he wants this perfection to the point where if he feels like it has gone outside of his con- ability to control it, he eliminates the family, moves on to the next one. <laughs> so it's this... Uh, I think kind of criticism of that kind of canned leave it to beaver um, American dad, but the um, yeah, so so it's um, interesting that this comes out you know during kind of the Reagan era of the new age of kind of the conservative you know we're getting when we're getting the the rebirth of the all-american sitcom shows on tv and the you know family unit basically the the 
Reagan's America. And so I, I think there's definitely some intentional criticism of, of that as well going on here. Mm-hmm. Oh, most definitely. Yeah, there's... Well, even like the, the barbecue that he throws in the backyard with all the neighbors. They're all people he sold houses to. And he <laughs> yeah. puts on this big emotional speech. And it's all for show. It's all to, to play a character, right? Yeah. Uh, that he's trying to play. And he has a little... That's that's when he has to go down to the basement and have his little meltdown. Um, well, and that's because, I mean, from the get-go, Stephanie's the only person, you know, the, the daughter's the only person that isn't buying his bullshit from like day one and thinks there's something a little weird about him. Everyone else just seems to like eat it up. Which again is really kind of an odd thing because you know, I would like to think that in the eighties, even I'm you know, something I asked her cause she watched this one with me. Um, hmm. And I, I keep telling her because she always watches these with me. She might as well just be on the show, but, um, <laughs> but no, I mentioned to her, I was like, you know, I'm pretty sure that even in 1987, this is rushing it. Yeah, I would say so. And she was even like, "Oh yeah, totally." This is. This I mean, is... I think the the idea is he's like you know working his way into a situation where there's somebody who is you know suffering loss or is grieving, and you know I, oh, I yeah, assume he's... that that he's using that to his advantage of getting involved in a family, offering himself up as you know the the hope for their family to continue. Um, you know, the father figure right so there, there's stuff. some there's some definite like you know predatory behavior here right mm-hmm. beyond just the killings there's predatory stalking behavior and manipulation and all that which again even it, it's one thing if you can throw a supernatural element to it like and this is why nobody pays attention but it's like he is not that fucking charming he's really good <laughs> but i don't know even in 87 there would have been like He's still a little weird, like, you know. Like yeah. Even even from the, like, if you were, you know, just the the clients who bought a house from this guy, if he invites you over and then, you know, gives that whole, like, pep talk, be like, wow, this guy, I don't know, I mean, maybe I'd end up thinking exactly what some of those people said to him, like, you know, Jerry, you really are just a believer in the, you know, the good old American dream, aren't you? I, not exactly the line, but stuff like that, so... I don't know, maybe it's more believable than we give it credit for, because that might be my reaction, too. Like, well, he's a little over the top, but his heart's in the right place. You know? It, it like, beats the alternative. At least he's not an yeah. asshole who's going to murder his family, you know? <laughs> right. Something like that. But um, um, now there's a there's a remake of this. Mm-hmm. Was it 2009? Yeah, I think so. I remember reading about it when it was coming out, and that might have even been around the time like I read about this movie and tracked this one down um, when they were geared up for the remake but that's the last i heard of it supposedly it's not real exciting but yeah because i i haven't heard anything about it and i haven't seen it i do know that on tubi they do have the the sequels to this one i think both sequels available i, oh, I know yeah. definitely yeah. part two um i I'm, I'm a little bit interested in part two because it's you know got terry o'quinn playing the character again part three replaces him so mm-hmm which it might even be a different character, but since he changes his name every time, how would you know? I'm pretty sure that the angle they go with in the third one is that he's had plastic surgery to change to fit into the next or to, to keep hiding. So, uh, anyway. yeah. Do you remember when plastic surgery was just such an easy thing that any schmo <laughs> off the street <laughs> yeah, could do? They would, all, they would always be. That was such a, like a '90s thing to put into movies. Like, oh, he got plastic surgery, so now he looks like a totally different person. 
right <laughs> that degree of plastic surgery and you would look like a a naturally weathered and aged human being rather than yeah. the person that has a couple too many nose jobs and they look like a freaking cartoon character yeah. you know yeah. it's it's uh you know more of that 90s <laughs> suspension of disbelief right <laughs> Well, before we wrap this up, there was one other thing that I did want to talk about, and that was that uh, we talked about this a little bit when we reviewed The Dark Knight of the Scarecrow. This is a little bit different um, type of film, but the thing that it does have in common with that is that both of these films were marketed like they were slasher films, and I don't feel like either of them are at all. Like, they're very, they're, like, this one is, you know, a bit of a, like, I don't know if I'd call it a crime thriller, but it has definitely has more to in common with uh, kind of a domestic thriller than it does a slasher movie. But all of the iconography and everything surrounding it, including its promotion, because it was the 80s and slashers were what sold, um, was slasher film. Um, what do you think it is that makes this different? Um, I guess I'm assuming that you agree with me, because you did watch the movie, so mm -hmm. I assume at least... But, totally. Um, what do you think it is that makes this different from like the slasher fare that I think they were like trying to portray it as? Um, is it just the good acting and the decent script, or is it a totally different animal? Like, <laughs> I, it, well, it does. Have, it is a decent script. It does have very good acting, but it it's it is a different animal. So all of the above. Um, and I think Dark Knight of the Scarecrow is another good example where. Well, I th Dark Knight of the Scarecrow is closer to being a yeah. slasher. Because it's got the stalking. It's got the stalking that, yeah. and the random crazy murders, and there's a supernatural aspect to it, which I think is a common thing you're going to see. Inside. I mean, I'm trying to think of, you know, Chainsaw Massacre is one of the only slashers I can think of that, that, that never went supernatural. They went pretty friggin' close, whatever the hell is going on at the end of part four, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, Whatever one is that with Matthew McConaughey in it that he wishes he yes. wasn't in, um, that one gets a little supernatural or otherworldly. Something is going on. <laughs> that whole movie is otherworldly. It's a good word for it. But <laughs> with something like The Stepfather, um, it, it's it's more of a thriller. It's a very graphic thriller in some scenes, um, or i say very graphic it's just very heavy-handed in some scenes but yeah. it's, it's horror the same way that silence of the lambs is sure yeah um, that's why i kind of put it in the crime thriller even though it's not like yeah i guess it is because it's 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 somewhat based on a true case and like it's it is you know there's a detective element to it both on both with stephanie and the jim ogilvy yeah. character they're both kind of working the detective angle on him um yeah, it's more like a, a, he gets yeah. closed in on uh, throughout the movie and you know yeah. eventually is cornered and yeah psychological horror to crime thriller somewhere in between those two sub sub genres um but yeah i mean it doesn't have th that and i think the you know most slashers usually have some kind of supernatural aspect to them at least yeah. at least tangential you know nightmare on elm street friday the 13th eventually you know, they throw it eventually in there, yeah. Because the first just, Friday and the first Halloween, I would say, don't have it at all. But eventually it works its way into the... <laughs> well, there's even... Yeah. Yeah. It's just there's something off, right? Something a little mm -hmm. otherworldly. And I don't know. Maybe they do that with the sequels here. Who knows? Um, you know, but they even did that with Silent Night, Deadly Night. Eventually they got fucking weird. I mean, technically <laughs> got weird at number at part two, but... Yeah, this one kind of... This kind of seems like it follows that model. Although I think... 
right off the bat, I think The Stepfather is a better all-around film than even the original Silent Night, Deadly Night is, but um, it kind of seems like, from reading about the other two films, they follow that model almost exactly. The second one's just a train wreck, and the third one's just a train wreck, but also really strange, because they make a lot of really weird choices for how they're going to continue the story, but... So. so so no, I mean, so I think we didn't do a franchise on this one, right? And I can see yeah, really, and I can see why they were trying to market, obviously, with the whole slasher thing and trying to to link this one in there because there are some aspects and some elements that are familiar. Um, but really, it's it's much I would say a much scarier film than what you're going to see with most slashers. Um, it's it's legitimately creepy, mm-hmm. and I I think the way that they tell it almost from his perspective. The entire film that yep. really adds to it because now you're you're seeing this all through his eyes and we, we don't want to see it through his eyes he's just he's disturbing um yeah so yeah it's it's very well played and, and well done in that way and uh yeah to to quickly i guess explain my if you know for anyone who hasn't seen the film the who am i here uh, <laughs> moment that i opened with the as as things close in around jerry he starts to lose track of Mm -hmm. which role he is playing so that's another reason we can we tend to believe that he's been through this scenario a few more times than we've seen and um literally at the point when he's you know attacking his wife in the kitchen um he gets flustered to the point where he forgets which role he's playing and literally drops the line like wait wait a second who who am i here oh right jerry blake wait a minute who am i here and then just snaps into it like mm-hmm. like falling into a character and yeah and yeah it's it's a really great moment another really great moment from from terry o'quinn so it's a and you know, I think there's something legitimately terrifying about uh, this type of, of scenario. Not just you know, like somebody trying to do your family harm. Beyond that, even, but here, you know, the the way that he snaps like that. Mm-hmm. But there's something legitimately scary because he doesn't, you know, act. Well, he's still trying to kill them all, but he's speaking in the same way that he did throughout the entire movie. So when he says, who am I here? And she tells, she's like, Jerry Blake. What, you know, like confused. He's like, oh, right. And he's back to doing the smile. I mean, he's got a knife in his hand. Yeah. He's trying to kill everybody. But he becomes Jerry again. He becomes <laughs> Jerry again. And it, it makes you, you know, you realize that his, everything about his personality is illegitimate. Yep. And that that is a disturbing concept. And, and you know, like we've always said on this show, uh, you know, it's not a political show, but if something comes up that is topical and relevant, then it is. Um, mm-hmm. We're living in a time right now, right, where we're learning about people that we thought we knew. That yeah. <laughs> when, when push comes to shove, they show their other faces. And you can't unsee that, but it does make you start to think back to, wow, you know, they've been like this the whole time. And I just only saw a very filtered... Yeah. I just or were found, they putting they were putting on a face for me that now they don't feel like they have to put on anymore. Right. So there is something very real about it. There's something scary about it because part of our relationships, right, is f- having the confidence that we feel like we know the person that we're 
having this relationship with whatever kind of relationship, whether it's a friendship, whether it's a marriage, whether it's a, a parental to child relationship. You think you know the person, and then when you find out you don't, that that's very jarring. Mm-hmm. Uh, so kudos on the 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 pick, and also on the film itself. <laughs> it's this has been one like, ooh, wow, this is this has some topical aspects to it, at least as far as it's from a psychological perspective. Yeah, uh, but but a hell of a ride overall. Yeah, I'm not sure that it occurred to me while picking, but mm-hmm. certainly while watching, it did, um, and perhaps uh, subconsciously. No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> yeah. um, so anyway, as we do at the end of every one of these things, if you had to give this a grade, which you do, what did you think of the stepfather? I'm overall? I'm actually going to give this one a B plus. Um, I I really liked it. I'll watch this one again uh most definitely uh the 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 lowering there to a b plus rather than a straight up a or higher was uh just for some of the some of the weird choices the shower scene really was was striking even for its time i guess that's the thing is the the three things in this movie that kind of i made me tap the brakes a bit were were things that even in 1987 most movies wouldn't have made those mistakes. Like the timeline thing is just weird. Um, the shower scene was just totally inappropriate. Even in 87, it's like 16 year old kid having her first kiss. The whole like, you know, mm-hmm. nah, it's just creepy. It was weird. Like she's fawning over a puppy. It's just like, ew. Um, yeah. it, it, I had seen this movie before and, and it still took me off guard. I had forgotten it was there and just like, like whoa weird like why <laughs> i mean the first time you see this character which is like a few weeks before the movie ends right you're only looking mm-hmm. at a few weeks of a timeline here um she's playing in the yard throwing leaves around and being a little girl yeah and if you go back and watch it like i'm gonna see her topless later in the shower for no reason it's just weird yeah that that kind of knocked it down a peg for me um and then the the whole thing with this awesome detective story, this this vengeance brother, and yeah, and, narrowing it down, closing in, making all these deductions, yeah, and and like you and, said, they totally Dick Haller in him at the end. So that was, <laughs> yeah. ah, damn it. But otherwise, a B plus, definitely not one to pass up if you're uh, if you want to see. I can see why it's a cult classic. I can totally see why this one became a cult classic. And yeah, I I want to see the sequels now just for as a completist. But <laughs> right, but this one was really good. So what about you? Yeah, I. This is one I, you know, as I said, it was a pleasant surprise when I saw it, and I probably, I bet it was around two thousand eight, two thousand nine when I saw it the first time. So it probably was in reference to the remake coming out, which I, I haven't seen. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a extremely pleasant surprise, and I feel like this belongs up there with you know all the other like classic 80s horror films you talk about and it's like we said it's not a slasher but it definitely is a a really good watch and it belongs up there i think uh terry o'quinn turns in a career best performance here unless he does something in the next few years that really uh you know blows me away i think this is going to be my favorite performance of his he's he's excellent in this movie It's, it's textbook example of like fantastic acting i think like uh and that's not, um, I don't think I'm exaggerating it, even though it's, you know, kind of a cult, you know, B-movie that most people have forgotten about, like, how good he really is in this movie. I, I, 
you should you should check it out if you can see see it and you'll believe it so um the things i, I agree with you 100 there's a just a couple moments in the script and some choices that are made that knock it down a little bit from being like an a plus movie um it has points where the script is a little dull and um it could have you know used a little punching up and perhaps we could have even lost a little bit of the jim ogilvy story since he's just gonna provide the gun for us at the end um but yeah it's a creepy effective thriller and it's terry o'quinn all the way he knocks it out of the park and it's um i think you should check it out especially because it's free on tubi um if you haven't seen it and you've listened to this whole show but <laughs> go check it out yeah i give this one a b solid b so. nice i i do feel like at some point and i i put this to our listeners if anybody can help us we need to get terry o'quinn on this show sometime oh my gosh that'd be great we need to get him on here, and he it's can essentially talk about his podcast at this point. So. It damn near is, yeah. You know, it's so we need to, folks. If you're listening, and and you know a you know someone who knows somebody, you know a guy. I, I get us in touch because uh, we're we're gonna keep going down the Terry O'Quinn list. I think we're gonna have to. Yeah, I mean, you can hardly help it. He's uh, you look at his filmography. It's we're we're definitely gonna hit a few more of his movies for it's almost guaranteed and i forgot that he was in silver bullet and now i need to like track down a mic i don't even know if i have a copy i think i have a copy of silver <laughs> bullet i need to go oh, back that's what i could that. certainly watch for the show too yeah yeah mixed feelings about the werewolf in that one but it's a damn good movie it's a werebear it's a werebear yeah it is a werebear. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad now if it was a care bear <laughs> well i mean that's a totally different movie but i'd still watch it i mean it's still eating people but <laughs> right. and it's still an evil priest but it turns into he doesn't just eat them he just blasts them with a care bear stare now i'm on a, now i'm down the fucking rabbit hole but <laughs> we want to thank everybody of course for listening to the video junker podcast and we would love to know what you think of the stepfather have you seen the sequels the remakes what are your thoughts on them please Please send us any of your questions, comments, criticisms, or witticisms to the Video Junkier Podcast. You can email us at videojunkierpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at Video Junk Pod or find us on Facebook at the Video Junkyard Podcast Facebook group or our main page. If you write it, we'll read it and we'll be uh, happy to do so. And coming up with the Video Junkyard Podcast, we will continue selecting movies from the 2 TV. Uh, platform and we've been having a lot of fun with that uh, next week I believe Joe will be out of town um, out of and yeah. we we will be uh, visiting a town ourselves actually Ryan and I are going to look at the Rowdy Roddy Piper classic Hell Comes to Frogtown and um, yes. one that's been on my wall of shame of something I, I really uh, I've wanted to see it for a long time so anyway uh, we will be uh, checking that out next week so check it out on Tubi TV and join us for the conversation and we want to thank you once again, as always, for checking out the Video Junkier podcast. We know that you have choices when it comes to your podcast entertainment, and we really appreciate that you've included us in that. So until next time, keep tuning in. This is Joe Peterson. I'm Eric Branson. We have to talk, honey. About what? About what is happening to our family. I'm taking care of it. You have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. You just can't let them go? Go. Stay on the road. Keep 
Later, the Moors. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash video junkyard podcast on Twitter at video junk pod and on Instagram as video junkyard podcast. All one word. Want to thank you again for listening and keep digging. Who knows what treasures you'll find in the video junkyard. 